Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. Episode 15. Oh my gosh. We start every episode like this going, what? Yeah, I know. Episode 3, episode 12, 15. But we've we've covered a lot of ground, haven't we? We have covered a lot of ground and we still have a lot of ground to cover. I mean, we do. I feel like we've scratched the surface at this point. I mean, every time we get together, we just find new ideas and new people to bring on. And I'm just so excited, even talking before we hopped on today, just people that we have coming up. It's going to be really great conversations. It's like a marathon, isn't it? And as mm-hmm. you go along, you're meeting all these different people and they're introducing you into their homes for a cup of tea. And they're saying, come and have a chat. And we're doing that. And then we're moving on and going in a different direction. So many more people are contacting me saying they're sober curious. And they've discovered that the sober community is so huge. And it didn't feel that way when we started, did it? Thousands and thousands of people are having these conversations. And it's incredible. But it's uncovering so many different topics that I didn't even realize were affecting me, but were all along. Yeah. And what we're talking about today is moderation, and that's a big one. We have Suze come on, and she's a big supporter in the Instagram sober community. Um, That's how we met her, and just amazing her sharing her years of trying to moderate. Kate, were you a moderator? Like, what? I feel like either a moderator or a rule setter, which is all the same, right? Like, did you set rules around your drinking when you were a drinker or try to moderate at all? I was a crap moderator. And actually, I've just written an article for the Low No Drinker magazine about sober challenge months. And Mm -hmm. Denise, who is the founder, said to me, oh, would you write, because I'm a regular contributor for that magazine. And she said, would you write an article about the sober month challenges? And I thought, yeah, great. That will be easy. It's great. And it's lovely. And millions of people do it every year. And then I thought, all these feelings came back. And I thought, all those times I tried to do those months. And they weren't happy feelings. They were awful. Because do you know what? I never did them. I started them. And I drank heavily before them. And within three or four days, it was hell. And after a week, I was playing devil's advocate. I was saying, you've shown you don't have to drink for a week. You're not an alcoholic. You're thinking about wine all the time. You're going to drink anyway when it's over. It's not going to change your long-term health. Just have a drink. And I failed. And then I felt even worse about myself to the point, Steph, that I stopped trying to do them. Yeah. Because the few times that I tried to not drink during the week or, you know, only drink on a certain amount or not drink this or not drink that, it became so all-consuming in my head. I, I felt exhausted I was thinking about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just said, I'm a drinker. I like drinking and I'm going to carry on drinking. I'm not going to do this to myself anymore. I think I always knew I had to cut it out completely or just drink because the amount of self-loathing that came along with trying to moderate was horrendous. What about you? I did moderation. I did rules. I did it all. And I think the biggest thing for me was the reason behind it, I would say, is to prove that I didn't have a drinking problem, 
right? Because at the end of the day, I never wanted to quit drinking. I just wanted to find a way to be a quote unquote normal drinker. I wanted to find a way to just be someone who could enjoy one or two every once in a while. That was always my goal. And it worked against me because I couldn't. I physically couldn't. My brain was addicted to alcohol. I was using it to medicate anxiety. Well, one or two isn't going to take care of the level of anxiety that I was having. I had to black out to feel numb enough for that feeling to go away. So it was pointless. But yes, the 30-day dry January was to prove to myself, okay, I don't have a drinking problem because alcoholics cannot go one day without drinking, right? They're physically dependent. And we're finding that that's not the case. You can still have alcohol use disorder and just be a weekend drinker. You know, just because you don't drink all week and then you're drinking 20 to 30 units of alcohol over the weekend, that's alcohol use disorder. I read an article where some doctors were saying that they find this is really interesting, actually, because I'm fully supportive of these months off. Whoever does them, however much they drink, Mm -hmm. whether they go back Mm -hmm. or not, I think they're a good thing. But they were saying some of these months actually enable alcoholics to drink because they tell themselves they've done a month, they then drink dangerous amounts for the other 11, that this kind of moderating mindset, or I don't drink on a Monday to Thursday, and then they drink really heavily, it's actually more dangerous than trying to cut back constantly. I have not met anyone. I've heard of people, they're like the kind of unicorn of the sober community, Mm -hmm. who can do it. But I've never met anyone who has drunk too much to the point where they're worried who then can moderate. Have you, do you know people who have done that? No. But why is it so hard? Is it because we've gotten into the habit of it? Yes. (laughs) I think, okay, obviously I'm not a professional. I'm basing it off of things that I've read or heard, but there's the neural pathway that's created when you're a heavy drinker and our brain defaults to that. So really our brains are just working against us. And we can try and try and try to fight that. And all we're doing is driving ourselves mad, right? We're blaming it. Once again, this is just another example of let's blame the person, not the substance, right? Oh, she can't handle her alcohol. She's a lightweight, you know, blah, blah, blah. Why can't you just moderate? That pisses me off. The more sober I get and the more I'm around people that talk like that, it pisses me off because I take that very personal. It was something that kept me stuck in my alcohol use disorder. Really did. Because I kept thinking it's me. You know, why can't I just have a few? Like, and I'm trying so hard to do that and to hang out with people and drink and not go overboard. And when you can finally let go of that and quit fighting it, quit trying to moderate, Oh my God. It's like someone opened the freaking gate and you're free. It's freedom. It's It's such freedom. freedom. And it doesn't, someone listening to this right now who is stuck in that loop is probably like, what are you even talking about? Like, I just, what I, I get that want. I get that want to just, I just want to be able to have a few. Like, I I can't can't see myself. I can't say goodbye forever. I'm a drinker. That's who I am. That's who my friends are. Oh my God. I just, I, I get it. I've been there. I was there for so long. And it sounds like, you know, when we listen to Sue's today, like so many of us have been there, but that's why we keep talking about this, right? We have to show people. I wish I had more people like this around me 
at the time, it would have happened a lot quicker, I think, instead of, okay, I'm going to do dry January. And then when you do, like you said, I'm not, I'm a supporter of it because I think there's a lot to learn in those 30 days. But if you're going into those 30 days, not wanting to learn anything from it, and it's just, I'm white knuckling until, you know, and day I'm going to drink on day 31 and I'm, I know I'm going to drink and I can't wait. You're to get not, there. yep. You're not observing any benefits. You're just exactly. still focused. Alcohol still is in control. It's, it's all about mindset. It really is. And I think the mindset is that if you see, you know, when I used to do days off or try to moderate, it was a punishment because I couldn't yep. control my drinking. Kate, you are drinking too much. You're consistently drinking too much. You don't like yourself, but yet you can't stop. This is what you've got to deal with and do because you do that and it's bad. And so I would feel like I was being, I I wasn't being allowed something that was a treat. That's the wrong mindset. This stuff is not a treat. The real treat is not drinking because that is self-care. Once you stop drinking and you get through those initial weeks or months and you realize, I don't actually feel like I want it anymore. I feel really happy. I like myself. Once you the cravings go or die down and you, you genuinely get over that and you, the chemistry in your brain stops telling you, you want it, you want it, you want it. And you don't see it as a treat and you start being scared of alcohol and you start thinking, oh my God, if I drank by mistake, I'd be scared. I don't want that me stuff too. anywhere near me. You start realizing that, but that was the problem. It was the problem. As you said, it's mindset. Once you make that shift and you stop telling yourself that you've got to do this to prove you're okay to then go and do it, really Mm -hmm. think about that. Because if it's hard to stop for a day or a week or a month, it's because you're using that for some reason or you're addicted to it, which is in itself proof that there's a problem. Yeah. Don't reward yourself with the thing that you were avoiding for 30 days. Like you're avoiding something for 30 days because it's bad for you. But then at the end of the 30 days, your reward is the thing that was bad for you. Like say it out loud. Just say it out loud. It's so true. Right. Should we go and speak to Suze? Let's hear about Suze's uh, adventures in moderating. Basically, I was pretty much drinking, um, not heavily, but I sort of started around binge drinking in my 20s. And my drinking increased in my 30s. And I couldn't actually tell you exactly when I tried to start moderating because for me, it didn't become a problem until it became a problem. So the line's quite blurred, actually, when exactly that was, because it was almost overnight. I think it just suddenly something clicked and I thought I need to start putting some limitations on my drinking, you know. And for me, initially, I did a lot of running. So I would say I'm going to stop drinking for six weeks because my run is in six weeks, you know, 10K or half marathon or whatever it is. My run is in six weeks and I'm going to stop drinking now. And what I did was obviously I was training and running. But in my head, I had this idea that after my run that afternoon, that evening, we'd be going out for dinner and drinking inevitably. And then the pattern would start again. But I thought, oh, you know, I've got this under control because I can stop drinking for six weeks. You know, and I probably did that about three or four times a year. I also did dry January for five years, actually, consecutively. So this is sort of my mid-30s. So I was able to do that. And I think psychologically, I was saying to myself, 
if I can stop, if I can do dry January, then I don't have a problem. It was hell. Don't get me wrong. It was hell stopping for those four weeks. And I would always be counting down till the 1st of February, you know, when I can have that next drink. And then I think I inevitably straight away in February, you know, I'd start drinking kind of three, four nights a week and it would just be back square one again. The different types of moderation that I did really were initially sort of no drinking during the week. I tried that, you know, for a few weeks. And it's really difficult because I was drinking to numb out you know, emotions, trauma, grief, those are the feelings that I was trying to manage and deal with. And it's very, very difficult to do that when you're putting limitations on your drinking, because I had no other tools to deal with those emotions. Drinking was my way out of that. So yeah, not drinking during the week, not drinking alone was a big one. My husband's away for work quite often. I was like, I'm not going to drink at home. I've got young children. So I, you know, my drinking was done pretty much at home. You know, yes, we'd be going out for dinner occasionally, but really it was at, it was at home in the evening when the kids were having their tea, you know, five, six o'clock, that's when I'd be starting to have a glass of wine. So yeah, no drinking at home. That was quite a good one. But then it was like, oh, we're going out for dinner in two weeks. And that was really kind of, I was just getting through each day just to get to that point. It was really counting down the days. I think also sticking to one type of drink. I'm always a wine drinker. I'd never say, oh, I'll have a glass of champagne if we go to someone else's house, you know, for example, and they offered me champagne. I'd be like, no, I'll just stick with the wine, you know, because that was easier. I also had terrible hangovers as well and was quite often sick as well. So mixing wine or spirits or whatever for me was real no-no. I learned that quite early on. You know, there's so many types of moderation that you can do. Um, I think for, for me, a big one as well was the um, don't drink before five o'clock in the afternoon. You know, that was when I was doing my kids tea and that that five o'clock was a, OK, it's a green light now. I can do it. I think if I started getting earlier than that, then there was slight alarm bells were ringing. Even looking back, actually, now to my 20s, when I think I was probably binge drinking, you know, it was very socially acceptable to go out and drink a lot. I was still in order to like not make myself be sick or with the head spins or, you know, any of that stuff don't drink on an empty stomach you know it's classic if you're going to a wedding make sure you have a glass of water there every single time you know in between your drinks that was another big one I mean did that ever work no because you've had three or four glasses of wine with some champagne or prosecco whatever it was before you're on the dance floor you're not gonna oh I've just hang on one second I'm just gonna go and you know have a (laughs) pint of water like just doesn't that just didn't work um, because you're pissed by that stage anyway and then you know there's inevitably like cocktails or shots some sort of vodka, hideous vodka luge thing going on. It was just complete game over for me. So yeah, moderation is completely futile. You know, at the end of the day, alcohol is addictive. And when you start putting these limitations on your drinking, I mean, it's impossible to actually carry that through. And yes, it can work for a number of weeks or months or even years. You know, I think I probably was moderating or attempting to moderate for about five years on and off. But the psychological damage that it did to me was exhausting. You know, my mental health was completely fried, you know, because I was drinking on top of all of these other emotions anyway. So that history was really bad and messy anyway. And I couldn't deal with that, which is why I was drinking in the first place. I mean, I think when a person tries to control their drinking, they've already lost control of their drinking. You know, it's that simple. You, You don't worry about the amount you're drinking unless you already have an issue with your drinking. And I think that at the time I was 
yo-yoing between subconsciously thinking there's something wrong here I'm I'm out of control and then slightly in denial because I was able to do dry January or I was able to stop drinking for five or six weeks now obviously I'm not an alcoholic because alcoholics have to drink every day but I was falling into that category of you know that sort of moderate gray area drinker which is really blurred I think also when you do inevitably fail then you start with the shame and the guilt and you start beating yourself up well I definitely did and you do bend the rules you know on a Saturday you might be out for lunch and actually although I did say I was only going to drink at five o'clock and we're having a nice afternoon and I'll just have one at the pub for lunch and then inevitably I will go and buy a bottle of wine and carry on drinking for the rest of the afternoon that was like classic on a Saturday And then on Sunday, I'd be really angry with myself, you know, that negative self-talk, constantly beating myself up, that little horrible wine witch on your shoulder, telling you you're useless, telling you can't do anything. And then that just spirals out of control. You're in this awful cycle of trying to moderate, unable to moderate, feeling more anxious, more miserable, more depressed. On a Friday, when I used to live in London, um, around... I guess 2015 and 16 and 17 every Friday I would take I just had one child then to Peter so I'd pick him up from school he was in reception and we would go to Pizza Express because I could have two and I could walk home and I have two large glasses of red wine and then pick up a bottle of wine on my way home like that's literally I spent so much money in Pizza Express I can't even tell you and it's just awful and exhausting and I'm just so relieved that I just don't have to do that anymore. People all over the world are doing that so how many times do you think you tried to moderate before you actually gave up successfully? So I know that I was pretty much moderating for around five years on and off. I knew that there was an issue. Um, I was starting to miss days with, because of hangovers like Saturdays. I had to call in sick for work because we might have been out doing something and I just wasn't able to function the next day. So I think it was around five years actually. But the ridiculous thing is I actually ended up going to AA because I just didn't have another option. But even the day that I went to AA, I thought they were going to give me some amazing golden ticket in order to be able to moderate like a normal drinker I thought I was going there I might have six months off or a year off and then by some miracle I would just be allowed to you know I could I could just carry on drinking like some of my friends and like my husband just like a normal person and this crazy mind be free from and that's honestly what I thought so it wasn't until I got home from my first meeting and even my husband said, so kind of what? what's the plan now? Like he obviously was slightly terrified about the prospect that I would never drink again because we obviously thought our life was over at the time. But he's like, well, surely, you know, you'll be able to have like a couple of drinks here and there. And I just said, well, I, I don't think it works like that. I think that's it. Like I, I can't have another drink. And I haven't. And um, amazingly, my life is not over for a start. But there's a trap that you can fall into as well, because you can do a long time sober and then think that you can moderate you know I see it all the time I see it in my meetings for anywhere from sort of six months to a year sobriety up to 14 years there was somebody with 14 years sobriety who then thought she was then able to moderate and within six weeks she was drinking one or two bottles every single night was back to square one 14 years 
So for me, I know 100% that I can never have another drink because I would just go back straight back to where I was before. I can't become a normal drinker. Um, I wasn't a normal drinker for the last, you know, probably 10 years, really thinking about it now. So I know that that's just not possible. And quite a few people as well think that you, your, your drinking carries on during your sobriety. So actually, you can be taking a break from drinking or however long you're sober, but actually your mind keeps going. So you can in a way, if I had a had a drink now, um, I'd just go straight back to how I was drinking before. There's just no difference, no break. You know, I know that I'd be, I'll, I'll have a drink tonight. And then in two weeks time, I'm like, oh, I'll have another drink. And then that night, like, oh, and you know, you're back to square one again. As soon as I went in there, as soon as I put my bum on the seat, started listening to these people, these kind, wonderful people who had I had so much in common with, um, who just got me and understood, I just knew. It's exhausting trying to moderate. And it's so damaging for your mental health. I just used to stress the whole time, you know, and that would increase my anxiety. And what do you do if you're a drinker under a, in a stressful situation? You drink more. It's just this cycle. You're going round and round and round. What a relief to not have to worry about that um, and the emotional energy it takes in order to moderate. And it just adds to that quiet mind, that sort of contentment. It's allowed me to do so much more work on myself. But honestly, it, I think it has contributed to my ultimate happiness now, which I'm now experiencing. Just that relief of not having to worry about it. It's just it's irrelevant now to me. I really don't think about drinking. The desire to have a drink has well and truly fucked off. How long has it been since you've had a drink, Suze? So it's been 14 and a half months for me. So I'm Amazing. something like 440 days or something. So I think I've always been a bit of a all or nothing, you know, in terms of dieting, exercise, relationships all of those things, you know, my drinking was no different. I think stopping drinking has allowed me to do all of this work on myself. I've been working a lot on not being a people pleaser. You know, I'm not so interested in what other people think about me. Someone told me that basically it's none of my business what other people think of me. And as long as I'm happy, as long as my husband's happy, everyone close to me, my kids, you know, are happy, that's my main concern. But I think I'm definitely able to push myself out of my comfort zone you know I'm a I'm quite a nervous person I was quite nervous about this today you know I've done three or four podcasts now but I think the other ones that I've done I've been telling my story so I can't get that wrong right you know if you're just telling I was telling my story but this is you know it's a little bit different because we've got topic based and I the other day I shared at an AA convention in front of 200 people and I was really scared and I never would have done that before, but I had to just make myself do it. And it was great. It was really, really good. So I think the more that I do things like this, and the more I push myself out of my comfort zone, which I'm able to do, you know, fear, I think, with your drinking stops you from doing so much, doesn't it? I'm less worried about what other people think about me. I don't really care. You either like me or you don't. That's fine. You might think that I'm a raging alcoholic. That's fine. You know, that's up to you. Or, or get to know me and you'll actually know why I have stopped drinking. So, yeah, I, I think giving up alcohol, stopping alcohol can open up so many doorways if you allow it to. 
And I'm so excited to see where this goes. Even in my first year of sobriety, I learned so much about myself. And I did so many things that I would never have done before. And now, obviously, I'm kind of approaching a year and a half. And yeah, I'm just excited to see like what's next, like bring it on. Oh, Steph, I love that. I I love the excitement and the happiness you can just hear in her voice. And she's such a wonderful, bubbly, positive, supportive person in the Instagram community, isn't she? Oh, yeah. I love her account. I mean, it's so many people. I did a live with her and so many people were like, she is amazing. Like, who is this woman? She's so awesome. And she's just grabbing sobriety by the horns and just going with it and just inspiring. It's just awesome. I love what she's doing. Yeah, it's exactly what people who are desperate to give up, but they just need some role models to go, I'm not going to just become boring and, and, you know, die alone. And uh, it's like, no, just take a look at people like this. They've literally embraced it and they struggled. I mean, she said she tried to moderate for five years Mm-hmm. before she eventually gave up and that kind of goes with what you said before about you know just think about it you, you're happy when you're stopping and then you go straight back and reward yourself with a drink and you go back down that dark lonely deep hole where you just throw yourself down it I think moderating is painful I think it's damaging I think it's exhausting but I do think it's something that a lot of people will try before they are able to say I have to stop because we're so desperate not to let go of this this pacifier, this thing we use to self-medicate, yeah. this social lubricant, as they like to call it. It's hard to say that's it forever, but actually it's easier to do it than to moderate. And anyone who's tried both will probably tell you exactly yeah, the same. It is easier. It is. It's like the necessary evil. I think everyone before they truly get sober have tried moderation. I don't know very many people who haven't. Some people go five years like Sue's. Some people they try it once and they're like, no, this is too hard. Obviously I'm meant to not do it at all. Some try it and say, yep, I can go 30 days. Now I'm going to just have a few now and again. And then it's a gradual back to drinking the way you were before, which is something that I found really interesting that Sue said about how when you go back after taking a break, you literally just go back to how you were drinking before. And it's so true. I mean, the times that I would take a month off, it wouldn't take long. Like maybe the first first couple times I would drink, my brain was still like, okay, we're only going to have a couple. But it was like, boom, almost instantly, I'm right back to drinking six to 12 you know, drinks or a whole bottle or more of wine, depending on what I'm drinking that night. And it's, it just, it's so frustrating how quickly you get back there. But once again, I'm not a scientist, but I've listened to other podcasts. That's all I did in the beginning, podcasts, books. And I just, I know things, but I can't like cite them for you. But you know, it's something to do. It's chemistry. The brain. When I started learning how much it affects your brain and how little control you actually have, you really think you are in control, but the brain is so hijacked. It is literally intoxicated. There's a toxic going into your brain. Why try to fight that? Why try to fight those kids? You know, those kids on those little mini cars, but they've got a stick on the back and the parents are actually pushing them. It's yes. like that. They're, they're like, 
we're in control. We're doing it. We and alcohol's no like, no, you yeah. ain't. No, you're not. We're going left here. Whether yep. you like it or not. You're trying to go right, but I'm taking you left. I mean, we're going wherever that's I want to go. That's, that's a good one. That's exactly. Yeah. Next time someone says to you, why can't you just moderate? Just say chemistry. Do you want me to explain yeah. it to you? Maybe they'll back off. They want it to be you. Because if it's you, it's not them. But if it's chemistry, yeah. we that's all have true. a brain, you know, that can be affected the same exact way. So... I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. They like to think, oh, you've got a problem. People used to say to me, maybe you're a bit allergic to alcohol. It's like, no, alcohol is actually a poison. We're all allergic to it. We're all allergic to it. We just react. No one should be consuming this shit. So Sue said she tried to moderate and she came up with all these different plans and rules. Mm -hmm. She said she wasn't going to drink before a run. She was due dry January. She did that five years in a row. No drinking during the week. No drinking alone. She didn't drink before five. Only drank wine, didn't drink yeah. spirits. Yeah. These are so common, aren't they? And mm-hmm. I remember saying at one point I was only going to drink champagne. And my friends just rolled their eyes collectively. And like, who's paying for the rounds when you decide to do that? So I would then <laughs> buy, a, buy a bottle of champagne and drink it all myself. And then I'd be drunk. So I'd get another one. And then oh. I'd go, oh, I've spent 100 quid tonight. And it's a Tuesday night. That That did not last. But I've done, you know, I've done a few things like that. I was not someone who tried, as I said before, to moderate a lot because I knew it wouldn't work and I knew I would just feel disappointed in myself. I'd rather accept that this was me and when I'm ready, hopefully I will stop because it was so upsetting when I tried and I failed because deep down I knew I had to stop. And I knew that not drinking for a few weeks did not mean I didn't have a drinking problem. I knew it and I and I got bored of pretending. What kind of stuff did you do then? Do you remember the kind of things that you said? Because I've heard some that are really quite ridiculous, like the colour of the liquid of the alcohol or, you know, I won't put, I'll put ice in and then I didn't put ice in and I filled it up. I mean, how much mental capacity are you using up with all these rules? It's yeah. horrendous. How can it- you live a life? It is. I was very much like Sue's. You know, I would do the dry Januaries. I would set rules around time. I would set rules around what I would, you know, I'm not going to mix like whatever I start with. That's what I'm drinking all night. I wasn't really into doing shots. Like I would refuse shots. And I was really proud of myself for that because that can be really hard when people are like, I bought you a shot, you know, get in here. That's really hard to do, but I could do that. But I noticed the at the end, right before I finally said, no, I'm done, that things that I was doing to moderate were more to hide that I wasn't drinking, if that makes sense. Like, okay, let me make an example. I hung out with heavy drinkers. And so like, if you're not drinking, they pick up on it instantly and it becomes a thing. And I'm just a people pleaser. I was a people pleaser. Let me restate that. I was a people pleaser at the time. So I would literally tell them I was drinking like vodka and seltzer because with the vodka, I have control on how much I was putting in there. And Mm -hmm. so I would literally either put just a little bit because I didn't like drinking vodka. I didn't like who I became. It made me kind of mean and I'm not a mean person. But I would put maybe just a little bit in there and then I would just keep putting seltzers on top of that until it was just basically completely watered down. So that was something I did at the end to like pretend I because I was mentally done. I just didn't know how to announce it to the world. Um, I was scared. Like, what if I can't really do it? was kind of a test drive, but my mind was different. It wasn't about like, when am I going to do it again? It was like, how am I going to wean myself off of it? 
And then at the you sort of sorry to butt in, but you sort yeah. of moderated in a way because didn't your dad buy you an advent yeah. calendar, lots of little bottles, and you drank one a day? So in a way, your sobriety started with moderation to such a specific amount because you drank one of those small bottles and nothing else. Yeah. So actually, that was your get out, your way of saying, I am still drinking, but I've got a month of having these tiny bits. Yeah. I learned so much from that. And that was mindset too, because that was moderating, knowing that I was done. My mind was already made up. Once again, I didn't want this gift to go to waste. So I was like, okay, I will drink this one tiny little five ounce bottle of wine. And I learned in that I would have it and then I would sit there and it wasn't enough. But I had already made my mind up that I was I was going to be done drinking. So I didn't pour myself more wine. I made myself sit in that feeling and I made myself realize I will never be someone that can have five ounces of wine because it's not enough. So I'd be better off not even starting. Your dad didn't realize the gift he gave you. He didn't know. No one knew. No one knew I was going to quit. I decided in November that I was going to quit in January. And I actually ended up quitting the day after Christmas. Christmas Day, I had that last little bottle of wine. And I was like, why am I waiting till January 1st? I am so sick of this. Like, I'm so sick of being chained to this liquid. I am done. This is my Christmas gift to myself and basically everyone around me. That's what I did. I was going, I said, I can just wait and do it in January. And I said, stop being such a coward. Yep. You do this today. You, you've you seen what happened last night. It was the week before Christmas. There was alcohol throughout my house. And I went, no, do it. You've got the energy. You know you want to do it. Now is the time. And also what might happen to me in the next couple of weeks? You know, and that's right. another thing. For these, for these times when we try and moderate, they are great because actually we avoid lots of accidents and arguments and stuff. But imagine that on a proper full-time scale. Anyone who's trying to moderate, I know saying don't bother and just quit is is pointless because you mm-hmm. have to go through your own journey. And, and if that proves to you, you can't do it. And apparently 5% of people can moderate. But actually, even those people who moderate claim they still think about drinking more and they have to be careful. For me, that's hell. I would hate that. I would hate it more than not drinking. And that's proven so true because when I decided to quit and I, and I found a community to help me, it was so much easier because all that mind negotiation stopped. Yep. And it was pure freedom and life without alcohol is so much better. That's the treat. And that's why it's so conniving alcohol it makes you think that it is there to help you, that it provides all these different things. And it's just a complete lie. It's a liquid drug. That's why you keep going back to it. But quite frankly, getting it out of your life is the biggest treat. That's mm-hmm. the goal, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think anyone who is looking to get sober or moderate, you know, trying the moderation thing, definitely go in it with the mindset of how do you feel? during moderating like are you craving the alcohol are you wanting the alcohol and why are you wanting the alcohol and then on top of that you really need to sit down and ask what is alcohol bringing to your life like honest conversation with yourself what are the positive things 
is it helping you reach your goals in any way? Or is it, you know, helping you get out of bed to get your workouts done in the morning or whatever you have in life that you're trying to do? Does alcohol bring any value? Because when that question was posed to me, it was like a whole new, a whole new way of looking at it for me. So do that. And then I don't know. Yeah. Have like, try to have just one drink and then sit there and let it sit in. Don't open another one. Like literally sit there for an hour or two. And and if you are like, I have to have another one, this isn't enough. Like these are how you answer the questions on who's in control. And nine times out of 10, I think most of us figure out the alcohol has been in control the whole time. Yeah. Cause you don't want another drink if you've never had one to begin with. Right. It's easier. It really yep. is. Yep. I think that's a wrap. I will speak to you soon. Cheers, Steph. Bye, Kate. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol. We are not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional help. Please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you. The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes.